You're listening to Soul Work with San, and I'm grateful to have you here with me today. This is the first episode of our bonus season, and I hope you're ready for what's to come. Now we're jumping right in because we got to talk. So you ready? Let's work. Hey, hey, fam. Good morning, good evening, and good night. (laughs) You know I love checking in with my people. So, how's your soul doing? I'm hoping all is well with you. And as for me, I'm yet holding on. Ain't he faithful? I mean, truly. Like, the school year ended, and we're now finding our rhythm, now that everybody's back home all day. Now, I've got my own mommy camp kind of thing, and I'm slowly, (laughs) somebody say slowly, implementing it, and we've got family coming to visit us next week, so it's a busy but a really blessed time. We're having fun, and it's good to be back. Now, we ended season three where we explored all that we could about spiritual disciplines, and now it's bonus season summer, because good sweet Jesus, do we have stuff to talk about. Now, I've got a list of what's to come in the next few weeks, and you know what? I'm going to take a picture and post it on IG or Facebook, and y'all can tell me if there's something else that you'd like to unpack too. Add to the list, if you will. And if you're not following me, you can always hit me up at hello at soulworkwithsan.com to share your thoughts. I read every email, and I respond, and I love hearing from you. Now, let's jump right into today's main topic. Before you deconstruct, listen to this. You've seen it all over the news. Yet another pastor, influencer, or worship artist has decided to announce that they're leaving the faith entirely and no longer identify as Christian. Couple that with the discouraging stats that reveal the sharp drop of church attendance through the years. The decline was only accelerated thanks to COVID. So churches nationwide are opening up to crickets as people are changing their minds about their faith. If I can use the words of the people's favorite Marvin Gaye, what's going on? One answer is deconstruction. For some, it's the shiny new object in the spiritual industry. Now, forgive me for being a little facetious, but it's not incorrect to describe it as trending. See, a quick search will pull up numerous accounts with thousands of followers sharing stories of disdain for current church culture, abusive leaders, and judgmental saints who've spewed damaging words that have left them bruised for years, decades even. For others, they describe deconstruction as an awakening, a spiritual enlightenment that those who practice historical Christianity, they're too out of touch to even understand. Now for others, they simply grew bored with Jesus or found him too demanding and decided to exit stage left. For whatever reason, people are walking away from the faith in droves and it's become pretty popular, not just to leave, but make an announcement testifying of liberation. Or is it? 
Because while I totally, and I mean totally, I get the pains, the doubts, the disappointments, and even the boredom, is that enough to leave Jesus? Now, now since we just talking, right, I'm going to drop my three observations about deconstruction, and I'll leave it up to you to decide. But first, let's define it. Deconstruction is an academic term that describes the systematic pulling apart of the belief system you were raised in. It's a potentially frightening journey that many resist taking for years because of fear of losing their community, their livelihood, or even themselves. But see, that resistance, it doesn't stop the questions that Sister Mary, the Sunday school teacher, told you to stop asking. And it doesn't stop the doubts that swirl in your mind after a riveting convo with your college classmates about white supremacy and Christianity being bedfellows for as long as America's been around. And truthfully, even longer than that. And the fear, it doesn't stop the shake your fist anger at God when he lets your loved one die or withholds marriage from you while flinging it to all your friends. See, deconstruction never comes out of nowhere, and it's never an overnight journey. Let's go deeper. Now, I got this from one of my favorite teachers, John Mark Comer. He gave a talk about deconstruction, and he places the process into two categories of three. See, there's the external factors and the internal factors. Let's check it out. The three external factors are number one, cheap grace culture. It means that we're more interested in butts and seats and converts than actual disciples or apprentices of Jesus. Number two is this ascendant secular ideologies. Here's another way to see it. It's false religions and their attempt to thwart the way of Jesus. We see that all over the place. And lastly, number three It's the tragic breakdown of trust in spiritual leaders. I did a whole episode last season on Ravi Zacharias and why we need formation. And the pandemic season alone has uncovered the bad behavior of many. Now, that's what's happening on the outside. But what about within? So the three internal factors that lead to deconstruction. Number one, and fam, I'm telling you, I'm about to do a podcast episode on this one for the season So look out for it. But number one, it is lack of the fear of God. And with that, a lack of surrender to God's fierce love. Now see, this results in a Christianity without the cross and it yields an undisciplined flesh. We only want to be coddled and given free reign rather than conquered by Holy Spirit's power. Mm -mm. Number two. A mind that is filled with digital inputs rather than saturated in scripture and prayer. Um, John Mark Comer, he quotes Barna Research last year. They reported that the average millennial who considers themselves a strong Christian, they consume over 3,000 hours of digital content. And yet only 150 hours of that content is Christian. Now, St. Augustine is credited for saying this. You become what you contemplate. See, we become what we give our attention to. So what you looking at? What has your attention? There's no way we can ignore this principle. Number three, a wounded heart. Church hurt, life hurt, the pain of what is promised in life, but doesn't actually happen. That's enough to cause people to walk away. Typically, every person that deconstructs, the trigger to that deconstruction is pain. 
Corruption on both sides can cause us to let our hearts wander from our first love and run to the things of this world. Now, what's interesting is he says that instinct to deconstruct the thing, Paul encourages us to do that, but we should aim it at the false promises of the world, not at the truth of God's love. Those were his remarks. Here are my notes on deconstruction. Number one, deconstruction, it's not a bad thing. Now hear me out before you raise them eyebrows. When it's done in a healthy context, See, healthy deconstruction, it looks like using scripture to critique the world. But the problem is we use the world to critique scripture's authority over the church. Now, the end of that is conformity to the world. But that's the opposite of what we were called to. Now, hear me healthily. We don't have to fear our scrutiny of scripture because even Jesus deconstructed some things. I'll prove it to you. I love it when he's addressing the crowd in his famous Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5. He says, he uses language like this. You have heard this said before, but I say to you all throughout the chapter, read it yourself. What is he doing there? He's challenging their original framework with the powerful truth of the gospel. So there's this space for all of us to challenge some of the preferences, teachings, and doctrines that we grew up with especially if we can see years later, there's no righteous fruit from those seeds planted. Listen, I've had to do it. And real talk, there's still stuff that I'm doing away with. So friend, here's what I'm gonna say. It's okay to let that wine skin go. Here's number two, deconstruction. Okay, cool. But then what? See, we've always got to ask, where is this taking me? And I get it, right? Like, it's really cool to be esoteric and ambiguous. We don't pay attention to the path when it's all about the journey, right? Like, yeah, I get that, but can I use some broken KJV right quick? Play us, not thine self, fam. (laughs) The journey matters, but that destination, either way, is eternal. See, sometimes I've noticed that we treat deconstruction as if it's a place of pride or a position of arrival. And so they carry this arrogant tone while they throw out the bathwater and the baby. I get it. We sit and scoff with our pain, but but then what? Where is it going? Because it's not the end. So we have to tread carefully. Now, here's something to be aware of in our righteous quest for truth. See, the real temptation is not just deconstructing because the real goal of the enemy is destruction of life through spiritual apathy and idleness. Here's the bottom line. Remember that deconstruction, it's a phase. And with all phases, move through it. In other words, don't get stuck in deconstruction. Here's my last point, number three. God can be trusted with our questions, doubts, and uncertainties. This is like the whole point of faith. Fam, slide over to Hebrews 11 right quick. What are you going to find? a bunch of faith-filled women and men who did not have this certainty that we crave today, yet they were tasked with great life assignments and please God because they were willing and humble and bold enough to live out their calling without having all the answers. Why? Because it's deeper than just faith for. See, we talk more about faith for answers, faith for knowledge, faith for things. But bigger than that is faith in, 
faith in God and his ability to be who he said that he is. So who do they trust? Fam, peep the shout outs in the passage. Hebrews 11, go to verse 13. These folk died without even seeing the promise fulfilled. Here's my question. How many of us could handle that in this current culture we're in? With the wants that we have, how many of us can genuinely say, God, I'm going to do this for you and sacrifice my plans and comforts for a reward I may never experience in this life? Yo, pass me the altar real quick because I know what my current answer is and it's not pretty. It's not. And yet it's that kind of faith. The one that believes in more than believes for, that's the faith that pleases God. I'm not saying don't believe God for stuff. You should. But greater than what we want from him is what we believe him to be, right? Okay, so it's tight right here, but let's dive a little deeper because here's my point. When you look at it this way, the people who have deconstructed and walked away from the church or from following Jesus, because nowadays the two aren't the same, but that's a different podcast for a different day. When you look at the people who have left, All they did was switch their faith. Now, I've scoured, I've searched the hashtags on Twitter. I follow some accounts on Instagram now. They're constantly sharing their reasons for leaving the church. And I can't help but notice this underlying theme. It's not that they no longer believe. They've just decided to believe in something or someone other than Jesus. And often, the idol is outrage or certainty. Now, fam, please hear me healthily. I am in no way dismissing someone's church trauma or their doubts because plenty of us have experienced corrupt leadership. And you know what? Let me pause for a second. I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm convinced that there's a needed, a needful stirring that's happening in churches nationwide because the chickens have come home to roost. And now it's time for some of this damaging anti-Jesus rhetoric and behavior in a lot of these places. It's got to be dismantled and folk have to be held accountable. See, according to stats and really just if you know Jesus, you can sense it in the spirit as well. A whole bunch of churches are going to close in the next 12 to 24 months. And it's not just because of changing trends or a lack of embracing this change. That's a thing too. But some of these churches are closing because they're corrupt. And for his own namesake, the Lord is stepping up and putting a stop to it. Because whether we want to acknowledge this or not, God is always more concerned with the lives of his sheep than the egotistical frenzied agendas of man. Say la sugar. Now I took my tangent. Let me get back to my point. Here's what I'm saying. I'm not dismissing the pain that people have gone through, the very real pain that people have gone through at the hands of folk in church. What I am saying is that even in our pain and frailty, it's still going to be our best interest. I mean, the very best thing we could do for our souls is to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, rather than looking to a framework that exalts pain and shame, but doesn't have the bandwidth to take your soul through healing. And that's the thing with all of these deconstructed declarations, fam. Like there's a lot of anger. Much of it is justified. A lot of pain too. Ditto justified. However, once you get past the shock and awe of what was done or taught to you, where will you go? 
Can you truly say that you found healing after you left? Jesus, is your soul legit at rest? Are there promises found in the deconstructed progressive Christian culture that you can set your soul in and find peace there? Questions that need answers, right? Now I'll wrap it up here. What do we know about deconstruction? Quick review. That it is healthy to a certain degree to allow scripture to guide us through dismantling old wineskin false doctrine because that seeks to create barriers to Jesus and it keeps us in a state of condemnation. We learned that Jesus did some deconstructive work all through the gospels and it's revolutionized humanity ever since. But it's high key crucial that we ask ourselves, where is my journey of deconstruction taking me? Because there's the thing, fleshy flexing, it feels good. So yeah, the snarky tweets and the subliminal posts about wonky leaders and abusive elders, that's all the rage, of course. But is there any place to go beyond your outrage? Like without dismissing the pain, without ignoring the blatant hypocrisy and the disappointing follies of pastors and leaders and all the folks, where will you find resolve? Where does your soul find rest? Because what's to become of us if all we have is anger, a secondary emotion that's typically found smothering fear? Why live in that state when God wants to give us a perfect love that throws that kind of fear away? Now, we wrapped up with the last point that God can be trusted with our doubts and our pains. See, the early church understood the mysteries of God and made space for doing what he said without needing to know and control the details. But in this information era that we're in, there's a constant temptation to get all the answers first before we obey, not realizing that we're now approaching the privilege of the gospel from a what's in it for me posture. Now to quote the great philosopher mystical, danger, huh? (laughs) Fam, that don't work. If I could sum this up, I'd say this, that it all boils down to fruit. And it's something that we can all bear witness to because a true follower of Jesus will be known for more than their church attendance, wardrobe, giftings, and audience because greater than a platform is the heart posture. Are they loving? Are they kind? If we check the book, the evidence of him in us is love and not another metric. No matter what the data and heavy-handed preaching and social media tries to say otherwise, Our capacity to love speaks more of our internal wellness than anything else. So in your process of dismantling and perhaps doubting and wandering and seeking, before you head down a rabbit hole that may lead to endless bitterness and pain, remember that there's always the opportunity to live loved and to love others. And how we do this, it's a bit of a mystery Because we know this kind of love, we can't do it on our own. But we do know faith in God grants us the grace to do and be this. Fam, that's it for me today. This was an episode of engagement and encouragement. If you found yourself deconstructing or on the edge of leaving your church or your faith, remember that you are loved and there's biblical space for every emotion. From Job to the writers of the Psalms to Martha, Peter, Paul, all of them, Jesus can handle our angst and even our disappointment with him. Mm -mm. Yeah, I may have to do an episode on that one, right? What do you do when Jesus disappoints you? Anyway, here's my point. You're not alone. 
And I know it feels scary and there's so much outrage and fear-mongering and misrepresentation of who Jesus really is. So if you ever want to talk, hit me up at San Pope, S-A-H-N-P-O-P-E on Instagram. I'm responsive to my DMs, or you can email me, hello at soulworkwithsan.com. And with that, I'm signing off. Now remember, you're only going to hear one of two phrases on that fateful day. Well done, or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon. Oh, 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 oh,